Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, welcome back. Uh, We will be wrapping up Philippians today. Uh, We'll be in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10, 10 through 23. Last week we did the first nine chapters of Philippians, where we discussed uh, the four... uh, virtues or moral virtues i'm sorry it wasn't four that was chapter four is eight moral virtues uh that was brought up by paul uh, i encourage you to go back and kind of see those it wasn't typical it's not typical i guess for paul to write about such things but he did here and it, and it made sense but it seemed that something he found to be important for the group at the group at the time uh we would some would say that he borrowed some of this information from the moral virtues of the greco-romans at the time which just because he borrowed from there doesn't mean it's bad or pagan. It just means they they believed it too. Uh, and also from actually some Jewish wisdom tradition as well. So uh, <clears throat> Paul also continued to uh, encourage the people uh, to seek God as he did throughout this, uh, throughout this letter to model Christ, to model him, who he, he himself is trying to model Christ, uh, to pray continuously, to put their anxieties to God and to see God as they care for themselves as well as the surrounding community. In the second part of chapter 4, Paul shows his appreciation for the partnership uh, he has with the Philippian church. Uh, He will also be able to see some additional context around the relationship he had with this church. It seemed to be a long-term relationship as well as with other churches in Macedonia, most likely uh, Thessalonica and a few others. Uh, these are churches that Paul had planted along the way uh, on one of his missionary journeys and had continued to have relationships. But it seems, based on what he's saying here, is that Philippi was about the really the only one that continued to provide him ongoing support. Uh, he also makes it very clear throughout uh, this part of the scripture, this part of the chapter here, is that uh, he very much appreciated but did not expect uh, these gifts from them. Uh, he has no desire, as we know from this, not only this letter, but from many other letters, that uh, he has no desire to put a burden on the churches that he has helped plant, that he's helped lead, that he's been a part of along the way. So let's do this. We will read verses 10 through 23, and uh, we'll go from there. How does that sound? All right. Uh, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We will talk about that because that verse has been taken uh, it's been taken out of context, to be honest. Um, not by everyone, but if you've been in a hobby lobby, you know what I mean. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know Philippians that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. 
For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. <clears throat> but I have received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. A little doxology there. Great. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Ooh, a little controversial, I think. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. It's your spirit. Looking at one thing here, just seeing how this other translation wrote this. Yeah, it's similar. Okay, just curious. I thought it was. Anyways, as we continue on here, verse 10, Paul shows uh, his joy to his partners in Philippi. He continues to model what it is to be a person of joy, even whenever he is in uh, times of suffering. Uh, remember, he is still imprisoned in Rome when writing this. At least that's what we believe based on some of the clues that he gave us, uh, or especially earlier on in this, in this letter. He may have even thought that they had forgotten about him, that uh, he had left. It had probably been a couple years. Uh, it's about a three-week walk from, from Philippi uh, to Rome. And so, and so it was um, quite the thing uh, that, that he had been thought he had been forgotten. Uh, when Epaphroditus showed up with the gifts uh, and a letter to Paul, Paul rejoiced. He knew that the church had not forgotten him and that the partnership was still strong. So again, he rejoiced in that even though he was suffering. And he goes into that a little bit deeper later on. <clears throat> I remember also that he was already uh, a man of rejoicing. He was already a man of joy. Uh, that he, had, he, was, he was rejoicing that he had made it to Rome. Uh, that he was able to make it to the center of the Roman Empire uh, to be able to spread the gospel. So with Epaphroditus showing up and knowing that the church in Philippi had not forgotten him, that just continues to add uh, to his joy. The reason we know and believe it had been some time, because he says uh, he uses it either at length or now at last, uh, like I said, is most likely about in several years. Uh, it's hard to tell exactly how many years you could probably uh deduce uh, a few things and, and figure out exactly but <clears throat> I didn't look or uh, think it was that important but I knew it was most likely a long time <clears throat> excuse me he still knew deep down but that that they were with him uh, but he also knew at the same time they had their own oppression going on they were dealing with their own stuff with a, living within the Roman Empire uh, they, they knew that uh, three weeks uh, of a trip would be very hard for most of them uh, just to do, just to get away from their, their work and their their livelihoods and everything that they were doing in Philippi. Uh, but at last, Epaphroditus was ever, uh, finally, ever to, finally able to make it. Uh, some people looked at this scripture, this last section of chapter 4, as the thankless thanks from Paul to the church. And there's several several possibilities why this is so, because it's not like he's all gushing about how thankful he is. He he kind of alludes to his thankfulness and he talks about joy and rejoicing, but he doesn't just come out and say, hey, he doesn't like, like I say, gush a, a thank you uh, to them. Uh, and so there's a few reasons that, that have been tossed about uh, that could be why that could be true. Uh, some say that Paul was possibly <clears throat> embarrassed uh, by the gift. 
maybe. Uh, Paul is disappointed that the church provided gift based on past testimonies uh, where he has said and been very clear that he wanted to remain independent and did not want financial help from anyone because he did not want to be a burden. Uh, here, maybe it could be at this point, Paul isn't even focusing on the gift. You remember, he's more focused on the church's involvement uh, of spreading the gospel. Uh, it could be that he had already sent another letter back or he sent another word back of thanking them for this. And this is just another letter he's writing, focusing on the division there in the church. But at the same time, he wanted to be grateful for what they provided. Uh, another one is uh, Paul had entered uh, business relationships with several people that are most likely there in, in Philippi. And, uh, and any sort of payment or gift back would not require thanks. And also, similar to that, uh, if Paul was truly friends with the, uh, the people in Philippi, which it seems that he was, uh, it was Greco-Roman uh, Greco tradition actually not to say thank you. Uh, it was not expected. I mean, I guess you could, and he does, but it was not expected. And so we have to think from their context and not ours and think, not think that Paul's being rude. He's just living within his own culture. And we also ultimately have to think that the point of this letter is not to, uh, to be a thank you letter. Uh, it, like I said, it was to address the issues they were facing there in Philippi. All right, as we continue on into verses 11 and 12 here, uh, Paul then at this point makes it very clear uh, he actually sets parameters or frames the meaning of the gift, the purpose of the gift, as he has in other letters that he uh, was not expecting or did not think that he was owed a gift from Philippi. Uh, what kind of gift? We don't know exactly, but it seems most likely it was mostly a monetary, monetary gift, uh, just based on some of the other uh, verbiage that he uses uh, throughout this letter and just knowing how churches would support uh, people like Paul. I mean, it could have also been clothing, and it could have been types of food. I, you know, there's, there's many ways, but most likely it's a monetary gift, and it, it seems like that was the, the majority of it. <clears throat> Again, Paul in humility knows that he is not, he is not owed anything. Uh, he continues to be obedient uh, to, to the work, and he, he, was, he was going to continue to be obedient with or without a gift and did not expect anything in return for the work he did for the church. Uh, he also makes it clear that he can manage on his own. Uh, remember, he was a tradesman uh, in, in leather goods. Some people refer to him as a tent, tent maker. He was also a teacher, a prophet, and an apostle. Uh, he, so, so we know that he still worked in, in leather goods and, and to make some money as he went from town to town, and there's evidence of that in some of his other letters. And we saw the example where he worked side by side with some tent makers, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, who are similar tradespeople, probably also dealing in the fine art of leathers beyond just tent making. Uh, the other key point he makes here is that he knows how to be content no matter how good or how bad the situation could be. Uh, in all situations, he knows he will continue to do the work of God. Uh, and so we, we know that through this and through that, he will continue to rejoice in the opportunity to do the work of God. Uh, he has learned uh, what it is to have plenty and to live a life that it is to, and it also he's also learned what it is a life to be without. Uh, and to live well, um, what he means by that to be is be uh, I guess to be content in all situations. Uh, you have to remember that what this guy has been through up to this point, through many different hard situations, uh, through these situations he's matured in his faith in God, uh, knowing that in good and bad times God is with him and it is God who's given him strength through this. And that is what Paul is trying to model to the church is that there's a maturing process of people as they 
as their faith grows. And so Paul will continue to do the work because Paul's faith continues to grow in Christ. It's not him doing the work hoping to make, uh, to stamp his ticket to heaven. Uh, it is him doing this work because he has faith in God that God is moving, God is with him, and God, uh, you know, he's, and God is who God says he is. Uh, some have said Paul's contentment was like uh, w the Stoics, which were a, 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 uh, a group during that time. Uh, but the, the difference with Stoics, uh, they, they detached themselves and resigned themselves to the circumstances. And Paul's not doing that here because Paul's uh, continuing to have ongoing relationships with the church. He's have his ongoing commitments and relationships with Christ. He did not disengage while the, the, the people with a philosophical view of Stoicism would. And that's not what he is. So he is both content, but done in very different ways than the, our Stoic friends would have. Uh, notice to make the point on, of reliance on Christ, Paul just opposes his life as been like to be abased to abounding. Notice how he kind of gives this contrast and compare in those verses 11 and 12. Uh, from plenty to hunger and abundance to want, he really brings home the point that he has been through it all. Uh, through the good and the bad, he has learned to find his strength and sustenance uh, from a higher source, and that is Christ. Very similar to what Jesus would speak of, say, whenever he was meeting uh, with the lady at the well and the, and the disciples came back with, with lunch, and he said, I have food that you do not have, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, similar sort of idea here that God is the one sustaining him. Uh, this leads us to uh, verse 13, uh, the Hobby Lobby verse. <clears throat> And has been misapplied many times in our context, in our, our culture. Let's stop using context as much. Uh, let's read this in the, uh, the, the culture or the milieu in which Paul lived, and not in our own. And where we think, our own idea, I think this is probably just a really, well, it is a very simple summary of it. Uh, we think whatever uh, whim we have, uh, God will provide and give us strength through it. Uh, thinking that uh, God will give us strength uh, in the job interview or God will give us strength uh, in our basketball game or God will give us strength in our arm wrestling match or God will give us strength uh, as we uh, are scuba diving or, um, you know, drinking too much. I don't know. what it is. It's one of those things where it's kind of very shallow, individual, uh, not really focused on God or fruits, of, fruits that God can provide uh, through our, our faith. It's, it's pretty much a faithless version of, of, of what Paul was referring to here. Uh, so at this point, based on Paul's world, uh, this is where the Stoic argument loses some steam as Paul makes it clear that it is not self-sufficiency, again, the way of the Stoics, but it is Christ who makes him strong. This points back to the theme of his life. Uh, if you go back to chapter 121, verse 21, uh, for me to live in Christ. We can also look at John 15, 5, where apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything. And that's something that we have to remember. It's not our own strength ever. It's not our own accomplishments, though it is us who look like we have accomplished. Uh, we cannot do it without the power of Christ. And even those who are not believers in Christ still have to have the strength of God or still have to have the abilities from God to, to do what they are trying to do. Uh, based on the, the life of Paul, all things is about the work of Christ. So that, again, is what the focus is here, is the work I'm doing in Christ. The work I'm doing in furthering the kingdom, in furthering the gospel, that is the all things that Paul's referring to here. Not all things about 
uh, everything I just listed a few minutes ago on my, my bowling game or, um, <clears throat> you know, how many wordles thing. I'm not even sure what that is, but I heard wordle a lot lately. So I think that's a game, uh, a word game. Anyways, stuff like that. It, it's, it's, it's not like that. There's no strength there. Uh, it, it's not even, it's, I hate that we cheapen things with, with these pithy coffee cups and uh, signs on our walls and these verses that are out of context and give you no real idea what the writer of the letter is trying to say or writer of the gospel is trying to say. Or you, We even have some junk from um, the Old Testament that we've manipulated and uh, junked up. So anyways, oh, the whole Hobby Lobby, Lifeway, industrial complex thing is just is just a big bother and has been very hurtful to to the church in my opinion anyways off that uh, all things also being everything is tied firstly to his living and want or plenty so to paul christ is sufficient when there is no food on the table as well as when there is food available he is voiding the warning given to the jewish people in deuteronomy 8 uh, for them not to forget the lord when they have plenty, which our friends, the Jewish friends back in that time period, in the time of Deuteronomy and Moses, they would many times forget when things were going well of who God was. And we have, unfortunately, we have that same habit today, which is something I struggle with. And I imagine many other people do as well. So Paul here can do, move forward and do the work. He can move forward and model what is to be a follower of Christ. He can move forward through the rich and lean times, furthering God's work here on earth. Uh, this is not about running a marathon, like I said, or getting a job or even getting uh, well. It is about the strength that can only come from God to do God's work here on earth. And again, before we go on, I would encourage us not to cheapen what Paul is saying here to fulfill our own whims and desires, uh, but instead do the work of Christ by modeling the life of Paul, who thus is, who is also, who is, who is modeling the life of Christ. The thing is, it's not a 21st century or even 20th, 20th century invention to cheapen uh, verse 13. Uh, it, has, it has happened, oh, I was looking back since Paul wrote this, or the first time it was penned by Paul and read aloud by most likely Epaphroditus, uh, the idea of when I want, I shall receive plenty, uh, which you see in verse 19, which is again going to the kingdom. <clears throat> Okay, that's probably enough on that one. All right, verses 14 and 15. Uh, after Paul's side road of his current situation, uh, he returns to verse 10. Uh, so he kind of uh, diverts himself for a few verses, and now he's back in verse 10 in his partnership with the uh, Philippian church. It was kind of them, and they continued to be, it was kind of them, not kind of them, kind of them. You, you could say that very two different ways. Uh, and they continued to be nice to him or good uh, to him uh, through his ministry. He continues to show his appreciation for their good gift. Uh, as we know, Paul was, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, he was bivocational. He was a teacher, a prophet, apostle, and a leather goods craftsman type person. Uh, so this gift, instead of having to work on the leather goods side of things, he could be able to focus on the ministry of spreading the gospel. Not that, knowing Paul, when he was making tents and other leather goods, he was probably, well, most likely, I would doubt if he wasn't, speaking of who Christ was. But this will allows him to, to even do that even more so. <clears throat> uh, 
he also makes a point here that it was only the Philippian church that would partner with him. All the other churches, which most likely included uh, Thessalonica, which was about 100 miles to the southwest, which you know Paul spent a, a nice amount of time there, uh, is was was not, and they, or at least not that we see here. And the Philippian church actually supported Paul or sent a gift to Paul while he was in Thessalonica. We'll see a little bit more of that here in verse 16. So Thessalonica was the capital city of of Macedonia. There we go. And uh, Paul was not receiving report support, it seems, from churches there. And uh, like I said, the Philippian church seemed to step up and help. Uh, though it was heroic in what they did for him, Paul's focus remains on the spiritual and eschatological fruit that abounds to their credit because of the ongoing support they provided to him. Through service to him was a connection and extension serving God and the gospel. So the work that they were doing, the, the money that they were sending, the gift that they were sending was actually a gift to God. And we get a little bit further that, into that when uh, Paul refers to uh, the sacrifice and, and the, uh, the, 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 uh, the acceptable sacrifice and the fragrant aroma there in verse 18, which we'll talk a little bit more here in a second. In our modern view, we may think that Paul is not gracious for the gift as he continues to push back. Uh, but like I said, in the Greco-Roman context, it's fitting to be grateful but not necessary to grovel. Also, Paul looks at the Philippian church as partners and some even commercial partners and, and not just givers to him. So he has he wants to be grateful while at the same time holding tightly to the power that Christ is providing. As we rapidly move through here, we're going to go to verses uh, 17 and 18. After the side eye to the slight from Thessalonica, Paul continues to thank the folks in Philippi uh, for their gift. Uh, notice again where Paul states that he did not seek the gift, uh, but what that he is seeking or what he sought was for the fruit uh, to move forward, which we can take as the gospel or the kingdom of God to move forward, which is what Paul's desire was. Uh, it, it, it is because Philippi came through that Paul is able to continue his work of spreading the gospel in Rome where good fruit there is being produced as well as in Macedonia and, of course, the city of Philippi. And it's one of those things where Philippi is providing, but God is providing to Philippi, the people of Philippi, to be able to provide to Paul. So it's not like a direct gift from Paul, but it is Philippians who have faith in God who are then giving to further the kingdom of God by giving to this individual, Paul. <clears throat> so the partnership between Paul and the church led to fruit for the kingdom. So Paul's modeling faith and the church following that model is where this fruitfulness has all arrived from. As we continue on, verse 18, we hear, the, uh, we hear for the last time about our friend Epaphroditus, excuse me, and how he brought that vener- very generous gift and this is actually the first time Paul really mentions it directly uh, from Philippi. Uh, he is now well supplied, which we can look at from a financial perspective, but also a full heart and a happy soul, knowing that his partners continue to support him to continue his work. Uh, Paul has had many met- metaphors throughout this, but here's another one. This one regarding the sacrificial offering to God that was a pleasing aroma to God. What the church has done is pleasing uh, Paul uses here an Old Testament reference regarding the sacrifice that we made to God that would be pleasing to God, an offering of obedience and humility. The very thing that the church is modeling as it supports. Paul, in Paul's view, the Philippians were offering gifts to God by giving to Paul. 
Again, just hammering that one in because that's how that all plays out. Uh, verse 19, Paul speaks of this, of his personal God, his deep relationship with God, uh, that the God that he believes in is the same God that the church of Philippi follows. Uh, he also shows that through Philippi, they gave the gift. He knows that God will fulfill every need. Again, that continuation from God through Philippi, the people of Philippi, to Paul. The gift that keeps on giving, coming from God, due to the faithfulness of the people of Philippi. <clears throat> this comment made by Paul is similar to what uh, he said here in this, these verses uh, when writing to the Corinth church, when they provided to the Jerusalem collection. Uh, the Philippians contributed that as well, and uh, what that is, what that is, is the the Jerusalem collection was the church, the Christian church in Jerusalem, which uh, was was financially uh, not very well off. Was actually very poor. Uh, a lot of the Jews who became Christians there in Jerusalem who, and who remained and didn't leave or get kicked out uh, were had lost their families. A lot of them were kicked out of their families, friendships, livelihoods. And so did not have a whole lot of ways to make any uh, a living. And so Corinth and Philippi, and I imagine there's probably some other churches as well, contributed to this. Uh, more, more, more about that in Acts. Uh, the Philippians knew what it meant as they had lived to see what it is, what happens whenever you have faith in God and you give based on what God has called you to do to be able to provide those abundant gifts uh, and they know that these gifts that they have, this, this monetary uh, ability that they have to give should be given and not stockpiled. Uh, God is with the Phil people of Philippi. He is there as they live in the Roman province and are oppressed by both Gentiles and Jews as they try and spread the word of God, as they try to love the community around them, as they co continue to live day to day. They continue to try and uh, survive knowing that God is with them throughout all this knowing that God will provide them with the, the strength uh, and the wisdom that they need. The glory of Christ Jesus will be seen in their community because of the faithfulness of the Philippian church. And they are faithful to the call. God will be faithful, knowing that God will be faithful. As they remain obedient, God will be faithful in his promises to those who are faithful. We know that from the Old Testament. Uh, we know that when the, the people of Jerusalem were not faithful, uh, or not, I'm sorry, were not obedient, God would allow bad things to happen. Uh, we also know that when we're not faithful, we are not living the life that God has called us to do. When we're not living obedient, God is always faithful, but when we're not living obedient lives, uh, yeah, it's, it could go sideways on us, and many of us have seen that happen. Uh, one other thing we can observe here is that Paul is saying that God's riches are significantly better than man's, including the riches of power. Uh, the, especially the power of Rome. Remember, he is throughout this, and we'll hear in a few more verses, contrast the power of Rome or the power of Caesar, at that time it was Nero, and the power of God, uh, the living power of God. And he'll contrast here. So even the, the most powerful country in the world, Rome, has nothing compared to the power and riches of God. Paul is also saying here that he knows that he cannot uh, reciprocate the gift uh, to the people. Uh, that was provided by the church, but he knew that God, with all the reference here to, to my God, the uses the my God here, the pointing back to verse 18 and how this gift was pleasing to God. Though he knows that God will now, God will reciprocate based on their faith, uh, but he can't. God will, God, he as in Paul can't. Let me get my pronouns right. Uh, God will fill their every need, 
so in, in the face of opposition, from going back from to chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, God will supply what is needed, the joy, the steadfastness, and the encouragement uh, that only God can provide. With that said, uh, the riches given by Paul, by God, sorry, should not put us put in us a feeling or attitude of entitlement or presumption, which sometimes all of us have that tendency to do, but should give us the desire to give with humility and gratitude to pass on the riches. So it's not about us. Uh, just because God has provided for us does not make us entitled to ongoing gifts uh, of rich, uh, rich gifts, no matter, and we're not just talking about monetary stuff, and we cannot be presumptuous about it as, as well. Uh, verse 20, we have a quick little doxology uh, from Paul. After all of this thankfulness to the church in Philippi, Paul ends with a quick prayer, laced with a bit of worship, where all glory will go to God. Amen here, of course, is also letting us know it can be translated as let it be so or let the words that I say be true or come to fruition. Uh, the, the, the use of amen was taken actually from Jewish synagogues. It's a, it's, this is a, a, comes from a Jewish word, a Hebrew word, and it's now a Greek word. Uh, and, and if you want to take it one step further, you can look at it as uh, let it be so. But he could also expand it, let it be so, glory to God forever and ever. Because it's all about God's glory forever and ever. So all glory to God. It is the way it is and always will be no matter what we do. All glory will go to God. And that is what Paul is saying there in his doxology. At least that's my interpretation of it. All right, the final three verses of Philippians, verses 21 through 23. Uh, Paul ends his letter in typical Greek letter writing fashion, which is also typical to Paul's style. These Greek letter writing endings did not were not typically lengthy. Uh, just like between, uh, and that was typically with when friends were being written to. Uh, and do not, just like uh, friends did not have to express thanks and gifts, they also did not have lengthy endings to their letter. Uh, the saints he references here is, is not a special class of people, uh, as, as sometimes they are, they are known to be uh, today. But in Paul's view, are, they are their fellow believers uh, walking the same path as he is. Uh, however, he is not saying they are complete and pure, because sometimes when we read this, um, <clears throat> that you'd think that a saint uh, had figured it all out, were the, the holy ones, uh, but, or, or at least figured most everything out. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Uh, what, what he's saying here, and he wouldn't even refer to himself, even though he is now referred to as St. Paul by some of our brothers and sisters, uh, is, is, is his own idea that he's not worthy of veneration. Notice how he refers to the saints as every saint instead of all saints. <clears throat> he, he's greeting them each individually and not as a group, and he does this, of course, intentionally. Think of it as greetings to each one of God's people. As, as if he is there, you can think of a, a, a pastor or minister at the end of a, a service, and they are uh, in, in some of our smaller churches, and even some of our bigger churches, the pastor will go to the back, and they will greet everyone in the name of God as they leave, or bless them in the name of God as they leave. Similar to what, that is what Paul is writing uh, here. <clears throat> uh, so, so, Paul mentions uh, the brothers, also known as the, could refer to them as the associates, uh, who are with him, but he does not name who they are. Uh, we, we could take these as uh, fellow believers in Christ in Rome who are helping Paul and possibly expand it a bit further as all believers here in Rome. Uh, it, 
some would say uh, the people in Philippi knew who uh, the associates were, or who people's uh, comrade or who, who Paul's comrades were there in Philippi, but that's not necessarily so based on how long it's been uh, since Paul had been with them. But then again, there were a, come a, uh, a couple of common characters that they would always know, like Timothy uh, and a few others who would uh, who were typically with Paul or at least relatively close in this to him, even Luke could be be one of them. You remember Luke uh, followed Paul along as he wrote, uh, uh, as as we read Acts. That is Luke who wrote Acts, and you know about Paul's missionary journeys there. So, not exactly who these associates are, uh, but we can throw some guesses out there and see. Uh, <clears throat> in verse twenty-two, uh, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. This is interesting. The saints again are the believers in Rome, but Paul makes a reference to Caesar's. Uh, household here possibly uh, I've, I've thought of it could possibly be Roman soldiers who have turned to Christ after hearing the words of Paul uh, you remember there are a lot of soldiers who are hooked up next to Paul or chained to Paul uh, while he was um, there either writing or speaking to his uh, other Christian believers uh, or followers of Christ uh, so it could be them uh, but even more likely uh, the members who lived and served uh, Ciro, uh, Nero or Caesar, you can say Caesar and Nero together, not Ciro. Anyways, who served Nero, who is the who was the Caesar of that time period, most likely. Uh, so it could have been a significant amount of people. So this could have been, uh, so the Caesar's household uh, could be people who are there in Rome, but also could be uh, other people tied to Caesar. Uh, it's, it's not your nuclear family, as we think of a nuclear family. It was the, uh, it was the the lawyers, the priests, the servants, uh, the the groundskeepers, uh, all those sort of people. So it could have been a very large group of people. So to know that that Paul is in the heart of Roman of the Roman Empire and the people of Philippi are under Roman rule is to bring them closer together as they are suffering under the same emperor, the same Caesar. They're suffering under Nero. This is probably right before Nero went just totally nuts on our uh, friends there in Rome, but it's we're relatively close. So you can think of this, Paul, as the rose among thorns, uh, hearing that within the empire, the kingdom is growing even within Nero's household. So in the house of Lord Nero are now believers of the living Lord. And I, I refer to him as Lord Nero because that's what he liked to refer to himself as well a lot of the emperors and Caesars did is one of people referred to as Lord because they thought they were divine. We use that in the lowercase way. We'll use uh, in all caps for the Lord and living Lord, much like our Jewish friends do. The use of every here has made some to think that he is continuing his theme of unity that we have seen throughout this letter. Uh, remember that he had a concern there with uh, division in the church. So the idea of greeting every saint uh, is to say, hey, we're all in this together, even some of the people I called out earlier, uh, but also some others who may be causing division in or outside of the church. We're all in this together. So greet every, everyone. He ends it in verse 23 with the, the uh, with a prayer that the grace that can only come from Jesus Christ be with them all. He tosses a quick Lord here again to show once more that it's Jesus Christ who is Lord and not Caesar. Uh, Paul, I, in my view, I think he like Paul liked to do that. We see other areas where he's liked to do that. So I'm guessing that's what he did here as well. Uh, Paul mentions grace here as he did in the beginning. Like I'm saying, not the beginning of time, but the beginning of this letter. Uh, this again symbolizes that the life of a Christian begins and ends with God's grace. Uh, we are all sustained through the grace of God, which Paul has made abundantly clear in this letter as well as many of his other writings. 
as we go, uh, we must remember that the central focus here is Christ, as it is in all of the Pauline letters. The grace of the Lord is from the Lord Jesus Christ, something that Paul has made clear in his life from uh, chapter 1, verse 21, and throughout this letter. Well, all right, we did it. We made it through. We are done with Philippians. Wow, a colossal task, and not just because we're going to Colossians next. Actually, we're not. Uh, the next thing that we're going to be doing is the difficult or hard sayings of Jesus. And that is going to be fascinating, I think, at least my, my viewpoint, because we'll be spending a lot of times in the gospel or the gospels, uh, the, all, all four of them. And um, spending a little bit of time with the three synoptic and then with John. It'll be an exciting time. Anyways, that starts in a couple of weeks. So we'll be preparing for that over the next couple of weeks. And uh, also remember that you can get these videos, uh, you can you can get these lessons as podcasts, not just as videos. And so that will probably uh, help some of you who want to listen to these not have to uh, be looking at a screen, but can take it with you. Uh, you can also see all of our, we have many Bible study lessons, I think 70 out there right now, uh, over different books of the Bible that you can go to from our website. Anyways, I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you very much. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.